This evening, we're going to be teaching on the thought of a message. Sometimes you don't know how to treat people. So it's not really an etiquette class, but it's a guide on how to treat everybody. So I want to title this Bible study, Treating Everyone Like an Enemy. Preacher, is this a Christian church? Yes. And I would like to use a verse of scripture, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44. So if you go to the New Testament and it's the Gospel of Matthew and you flop over to chapter 5 and verse 44, I'm going to read it. And this is Jesus' advice on how to treat enemies. And I figure, man, if it's good for enemies, it's good for everybody. If you're not sure how to treat someone, we're going to learn how to treat anybody. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. A preacher in his Sunday sermon, he was preaching about forgiving your enemies. That was his topic. And after a long sermon, he asked how many were willing to forgive their enemies. And in his congregation, about 50%, half the people raised their hands. He wasn't satisfied, right? So he preached for another 20 minutes about God's love. And then he said, how many are willing to forgive their enemies? And about 80% raised their hand. He's not, not satisfied. So for 15 more minutes, he repeated the question and gave illustrations. And uh, finally, all of the people raised their hands. Except one lady sitting in the rear of the church, an elderly lady. Mrs. Jones, he knew her name. Are you not willing to forgive your enemies? And the old lady stood up and said, No, sir. Mrs. Jones, why aren't you willing to forgive your enemies? And she said, Well, Pastor, I I don't have any enemies. Pastor said, Mrs. Jones, this is very unusual. How old are you? And the lady said, Pastor, I'm 93 years young. Pastor was smiling from ear to ear and said, Mrs. Jones, come down to the pulpit. Come down to the front and tell the congregation how the person like you can live to be 93 and not have an enemy in the whole world. So the little sweetheart tottered down the aisle with her you know, her little pusher cane, and she turned around, she leaned into the microphone, and she said, it's pretty easy, I just outlived them all. (laughs) Treat everyone like an enemy. Now, the Bible plainly says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 17, there's a way to treat everybody. It said, honor all Men. That includes women. Honor all men. And in a relationship with Jesus Christ, we find out there's three things 
around this verse of scripture that we want to teach on. Three A's. Attributes, attitude, and action. Attributes, attitudes, and action. Now, the first thing is an attribute. What is an attribute? An attribute is a characteristic. It's a quality. And if you read the very next scripture, now I don't know if you're at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44, but the very next scripture is our first point. And it's connected with a semicolon, which means that those two statements are kind of linked together. It's not even a period, or the British would say a full stop. So it's kind of linked together. And it said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, that ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. The first reason, you know, there are different reasons why you do things. Say why, why do you lose weight? Well, I've got a goal to lose 30 pounds. Why do you lose weight? Well, I don't want to look like a Krispy Kreme donut, right? Why do you lose weight? I want to be healthy. Well, the highest reason that you do something is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. The highest reason for our behavior, our characters, our attributes is something called identity. Has someone ever asked you something and you're just kind of like, it's, it's just like me to do that. That's me. You, you, you look at your identification card, you've got a driver's license, it should look like you. Okay, they, that's who you are. And an attribute of treating people this way is to be like God. Those are God's characteristics. Notice Jesus said that ye may be the children of your father. That's why we do things like that. There, there's a song. Now, I love songs to teach you truths. Um, have you ever heard that song? I am a C. No. I am a C-H, I am a C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, and I have C-H-R-I-S-T in my H-E-A-R-T, I will L-I-V-E-E-T-E-R-N-A-L-L-Y, and you start to sing it faster and faster, but there's a truth there. I am a Christian. Why? I have Christ in my heart, and I'm going to live eternally. The, 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 the most important thing to start out with before we treat anybody any kind of way is who are we and we need to realize who we are well you know kids sing this song but we adults need to realize who am i you ever get up in the morning and you're like who am i you know you don't know who you are in the morning but we need to think about who we are because the greatest thing that we can do is not love people but it's love god you know that someone asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? What's the, the first and great commandment? The protos, the, the top priority, and the mega. What's the most important and the greatest commandment? You know what Jesus said? He said in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. You know, 
If you get burnt out, don't try to love people more. Just try to love God more. And you know, that's our identity to love God first. And then Jesus said, and the second one, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You know that the cross had two lines on it, didn't it? There was a vertical line going up to heaven. And then there was a horizontal line that, you know, parallels the horizon. You know that we need to have our love with God before we can have our love to men. And sometimes the devil would like to get us uh, to where we forget who we are. I love that illustration from the Lion King. When uh, the Lion King's father is, is killed, I believe it's James Earl Jones who does the voice. Spectacular voice. Isn't it James Earl Jones? And I forgot dad's name, but Simba is the Lion King. Mufasa, thank you. And so Simba's a cub when his father is is murdered by Scar, the evil uncle, right? Or his father's brother. But Simba grows up and he's looking in a reflection and he's all grown up as a lion, but it's kind of been pinned on him and he thought he killed his father, but it wasn't that way. And so he gets like a, a vision of his father. And I can't do James Earl Jones, but he goes, Simba, he said, you have forgotten who you are because you've forgotten who I am. And I was like, whoa. And you know what? Sometimes we can forget who we are if we forget who God is. Say, wait a second. Jesus died on the cross for me. He redeemed me. Man, if God can love me, have you ever... Have you ever done something wrong and not told anybody and you'll never tell anybody? <laughs> it's like a preacher, I would never tell anybody. Wild horses could tear me apart. But God knows about it and God forgave me. You know that God knows and God didn't hold it over my head. That's the love of God and that's the God that saved me. That's who I am. So we have an attribute. You know that when God made man, he said in Genesis chapter 1, he made him in a certain image and a certain likeness. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And it's interesting. Uh, Adam had a son. After Adam fell from grace, after Adam committed sin, after Adam brought sin into the world by disobeying God, by eating that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the one thing he wasn't supposed to do, right? And so after he did that, it says in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 3, you know, Adam had a son. And Adam lived in 130 years and begat a son. Now listen to this. In his own likeness. And after his image. It's interesting because he doesn't say he made a son in the image of God, did he? Because something was missing between the time Adam was made and the time Seth, his son, was born. And so I would like to perhaps author that or, or put forth this that the image and likeness, the attributes of God aren't just things that we can see. There are character qualities that God is looking for. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Isn't that interesting? 
God wants us to bring us back to the image of God that's in what? Jesus Christ, his son. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10, and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. You know that God, when he brings us back through Jesus Christ, it's because God, there, he restores this image of God in us. And people begin to notice something different about us. So in Acts chapter, last thing on the attribute, okay? Treating everyone like an enemy. It's not anything that we do. It's just something that we are. So Christians, Acts chapter 11, A-C-T-S. That's a lot for one Acts, for one syllable, right? So after a persecution, Stephen was martyred and all of these preachers were scattered abroad. So what did they do? They were treating people like enemies. They were preaching. And the Bible says they went as far as Antioch and the Lord was with them. And a a lot of people believed and turned unto the Lord. And so Barnabas went and got Saul and Saul came uh, and spent a whole year in Antioch. It's It's a town in Turkey. I've been there. It's called Antakya now. But so Saul came and stayed there for a whole year. And it said... They assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. Now notice this. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Notice, they didn't call themselves Christians. One of the greatest honors in in someone's life, if someone looks at you, and usually they'll say it this way, are you a Christian? Because they'll notice that there's an attribute or a characteristic in your life. Not like you go to church and, you know, but, but man, are, are you a Christian? Are you a believer? Because there were some things that changed in those people's lives when they turned to the Lord. And people began to say, you're acting like a little Jesus. And I've heard that some people might have applied it in a mockery. Like, oh, you're a church boy. If someone calls me a church boy, I think, thank you, Jesus, man. Identify me with him. I was at a construction job. And you know how everyone treats you very gently and... Uh, you know, with great esteem and construction. So I was working with this guy stocking sheetrock. And he goes, he found out I was a Christian. It shouldn't take someone that long. And he goes, oh, a church boy, huh? And I said, yes. You know, I don't remember exactly what I said. But... And you know what he said after that? He said, that's all right. You know, if I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I let people know, I believe people are looking for people who are not ashamed to believe in God. I'm not ashamed to be a Christian. And I look just as dirty as him. It's not about wearing a a shirt and tie, but it's about having faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. The second thing, so an attribute. Now we'll go to the attitude. Now, sometimes you think, oh, he's got an attitude. When you say it that way, it's bad, right? But attitude is the way simply that you think or that you feel about something, okay? Uh, You know, but you know, sometimes people have a bad attitude like this this snail was at this guy's door like a big snail. And he's like, ah, oh, that's nasty. So he picked the snail up and he threw it with all of his might. Slammed the door, right? A year later, there was a knock on his door. He opened it up and it was the snail. And the snail's like, now what was that all about? But you know what? We can have the right 
attitude. Jesus said, you've heard it said, you should love your friends and hate your enemy, but yeah, I, got, I got something for you. I say unto you, love. This is the attitude that you need to have to people that aren't your friends. There is a preacher named Rick Warren. He's got a small church in California, and that's a complete sarcasm. It's like 20,000 people, okay? But he quoted, he's quoted here, said, we never win our enemies to Christ, only our friends. You know, if you, if you look at someone with an attitude as they're your enemy, you're going to treat them that way. If you don't like your neighbor, you're going to make sure, you know, if uh, their door is open in their car, like, I hope their battery dies, you know. That's not the right attitude. What Jesus was saying in treating people like an enemy, he was saying, treat your enemies like they're your friends. That's what Jesus was saying. So, uh, John chapter 13 and verse 35. I like what Jesus said. He said, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. And I, I mean, I promote church I, I was just talking to a lady today and i said yeah come on and i was like i said our church is just like you grab a section of people from the mall and just dump them in there they're from everywhere and it's talking about all the different countries and and you know what when you just have the love of jesus christ it's not about a political party it's not about you know whether you're for the vaccine or against the vaccine or for this or against this when you're genuinely loved and the gospel is preached People just come. It doesn't, and you see the variety of people that come. That's the way that it should be because the Bible said, for God so loved the world. The world that crucified him. God loved that world. And God passed that attribute onto us. Then God passed the attitude to us. Another song. You know, say, well, preacher, these songs are... Dumb. Let me tell you. I like MacGyver. You know, MacGyver is this guy from the 80s? Okay, it was a TV show. And he was this like, I don't know if he was a spy or what he did, but he could make anything and do anything with like two items. Duct tape and a Swiss Army knife, okay? And he could just do all kinds of miraculous things and make all these. Why? Because I want to share this with you. The greatest asset you have is you what if your internet goes down and you can't show someone a scripture well if you have it in your heart you can just tell them and i I learned this so many years ago i don't even i'm not even exactly sure how many years ago but it's uh it's a song it's just it's a verse of scripture beloved let us love one another for love is of god everyone that loves is born of god and knoweth god He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. So my pastor taught us that, and I don't, you know, things have come, and I've been to a lot of Bible studies and forgotten them. I've been to sermons and forgotten it. But you know what I can carry in my heart? Because it was in a song. Kids learn songs, right? Kids will make up a song about your ears or your nose if they look funny. Why? They're easy to remember. And if Moses in the Old Testament made up a song when I was uh, mowing the lawn, 
I made a song because I couldn't remember the nine fruits of the Spirit. Now, if I put you on the spot and asked anyone, could you name me the nine fruits of the Spirit? Could anyone? No, it's hard. But if you make up a song, I was mowing the lawn when I was uh, on a secular job. and I'm like, I'm going to make this thing up so I can remember this because it befuddles me. So I just made up a song. Now, I'm not going out for American Idol. And uh, <clears throat> unless I'm one of the people that gets dragged off with the hook and Simon Cowell's like, you're the worst, like, ever. Worst guy ever. Okay? So I'm not going for that. Okay? But I'm just kind of putting some, you know, you are your greatest asset. You and what's inside of you and your heart, you are the important thing to God. Your love is important. Your knowledge of the scriptures are important. Well, how do you remember it? I don't know. I, I, one thing I do is I make up songs. So it's in Galatians and it says, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And then I just go on. Against such there is no law. Against such there is no law. Against such there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit is love. I fast-forwarded that last part. But I can remember it now. And, you know, it's, it's not cool. If, what if I don't have my Bible? Well, I say, well, what's the fruit of the Spirit? Well, the first one's love. And the second one's joy. And the third one's peace. And if I forget, then I can sing my song and then come back, right? But you know what? If I have it in my heart, then I can help somebody. And the most important thing is our attitude. You see, attitude determines action. If I, uh, what did Jesus look at? Did Jesus look at people as an obstacle you ever been to a store or something like oh another customer you know like oh great you know you just don't feel very welcome like hey, i can't wait till these people leave right you're at you're at the uh, um at the theme park and you're having a good time you don't realize these people's feet are killing them they want to leave right but did jesus view people as an obstacle or as an opportunity i believe in opportunity and when you have that right attitude, they might be your enemy now, but you know what? They might not be mad at you. They might be mad at somebody else. And maybe you've got the same color skin as someone that did them wrong, that really did them wrong. And you know what? You can change it by your attitude towards them and break that mold that they have of, of all people. You know, stereotypes, we all have them. Prejudices, people have them. But Christians can break those prejudices in people's lives you see enough christians and you're like man they're just different why because they're like other they just don't fit in any mold well they fit in god's mold that's the only mold that's important and then you have an attitude wow if christ loved me and christ forgave me man i can forgive somebody else i can love my enemy so the third thing is action with five minutes jesus in matthew chapter eight i like this so Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5, Jesus comes to Capernaum and there's a centurion that comes beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. So he's, he's got a servant that's paralyzed in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And uh, he's laying it out to Jesus. What's a centurion? Someone who commands a hundred people, a century, like a hundred soldiers, like a captain or something, right? What did Jesus say? Are you a Republican or Democrat? No, did he say that? <laughs> Are you a Jew? Did he say any of those things? Did he give him like, I don't know if I like you. What, what race are you? Jesus didn't say any of those things. 
Do you believe in the vaccine or not? You know, let me see your vaccine card. No, Jesus didn't ask any of those questions. Notice this. When you are like God, and then you have an attitude of love, when, in, when there's an opportunity, Jesus is looking for an opportunity to be a blessing. And sometimes he sends us. Sometimes there's a need and God sends me, you. There's, we're, that, we're the hand of Jesus Christ. So here's what Jesus said. So this centurion comes. My servant life at home, sick of the palsy, grievously, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I'll come and heal him. Man, I like that. Isn't that cool? He didn't have to say, I'm a good Jew when I go to the set. He probably wasn't a Jew. He was a Roman soldier. But he came to Jesus, and I'm, I'm glad that him that cometh, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. If we can come to God, with, he'll have open arms. Well, if someone comes to us, ought we not to have that same... What about if they're an enemy? If an enemy uh, hungers, the Bible says what? Feed him. If he thirsts, give him something to drink. He said you'll heap hot coals of fire on his head. That doesn't mean that you'll burn him or scald him. Have you ever had your face flush? It's because you get embarrassed, right? And that's what he said. You'll cause them to feel that burning shame because they did you wrong and you did them right. That's the way to change this world. It's not, was it Gandhi that said an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind? That's not what Jesus said. But Jesus said, love them. So Jesus went and, you know, the Bible says that uh, the centurion said, you don't even have to come. I'm under authority. I tell someone go and they go. Come, and they come. Just speak the word. And so Jesus was like, wow, that's some faith. So Jesus spoke the word. And guess what? The sickness was gone, and the man was healed from that very hour. And then Jesus spoke to the man about his faith. And that's where and how Christians walk, by faith. So uh, the last thing is action. Have you ever seen when they get ready, they have those little, I don't know why, maybe they have a number on them. They go lights, camera, and they go action. And they like, I don't know exactly what. That's exactly, God does not want us to just sit in a, in a room and learn about the Bible, but God wants action. You know, the, the next time, you know, you're, you know, someone leaves trash outside their door, instead of what I did in the Marine Corps, they would leave trash outside their barracks room door. You know what I would do? I would get something out of it. We had a dumpster. They were too lazy. Lazy lima beans, right? So I was on duty and I'd get their, uh, a piece of trash that identified the trash with their room, keep it, and then I'd open their door after they didn't answer and I'd throw the trash in their room and close the door because I had a master key. That's not exactly what God wants us to do, okay? But if your neighbor's trash is sitting out of their door, why don't you go throw it in the dumpster? Why don't you go spray a little bleach on there? Say, man, I just want to be a blessing to you. Love your enemies. Your neighbor's tire is flat. Uh, get up a little bit earlier for work. So if you see a need in some, in some place, you have an opportunity to be a blessing, to take action. You see, any action for God, if God uses us to bless someone, to do good to someone, to pray for someone, those are three, three opportunities that God gives us. If, if, if God's going to use us to do that, we all lead full lives. And I understand life is busy. And, and you made an, 
you maybe interrupted, you know, a Netflix or interrupted a phone call or something to come to Bible study. But when God uses us, it's going to cause an interruption. He's going to say, you know, like in a dance, you know, some guy's dancing with a girl and this guy goes, may I cut in, you know, and that's exactly what God wants to do. He wants to just cut right in and say, let me interrupt things. Could I have you go do that? You ever done that with your child? You know, honey, can you go do that? And they're like, and they put down their device and they stomp off, you know. Yeah, that's your kid. But what if it's Jesus is like, there's someone over there that needs to hear about me. Fine, God! You know. (laughs) No, but we have the right attitude. It's like, wait a second. Who's God going to send? He's not going to send the sinner. He's going to send a Christian. God. I love it when my daughter's in a good mood. You know? And it's like, like when she knows she's going to have something good happen soon, right? And Christians, we should always be looking for something good to happen. That's what God desires to bless us. Man was created on the sixth day of creation. And on the seventh day, they entered into his rest. God created us to enter into his rest. God created man. And then what is the first thing he did? He blessed them. That's what God does to us. And so when my daughter's in a good mood, it's like, "Uh, honey, can you go do this? Yes, sir. Runs off there and I'm like, oh, I just want to give her something. You know what? An earthly parent is one thing, but isn't it a heavenly parent a whole lot greater? God sees that faithfulness of that man, the faithfulness of that woman, the heart in that man and that woman to love and to bless and to do good and to pray, and he'll want to bless them. It's be not because of how we were treated. Let's not live our lives because of how we were treated. Let's live our lives because of who we are. Let's treat everyone like an enemy. And you know what? In this climate, in 2021, you'll get a lot of opportunity to put this to practice. But let me tell you, uh, you don't need a flashlight when it's daylight, okay? You need a flashlight when it's dark. And Jesus said, let your light shine. People need the light of God's love. So treat someone like an enemy. And you know what? I've seen God change hearts. It's the most powerful weapon in the world is love. It's not a gun. It's not a mortar. It's not even COVID, okay? It's the love of Christ that was shown to his enemies on the cross when he bled and died for our sins that we might be set free. Amen. God bless you is our prayer. Let's dismiss in prayer. Brother Chris, would you dismiss us in prayer? Amen.